Today, um, I want to talk about um, from this message title called Making Room for the Spirit. Making Room for the Spirit. Now, fresh off vacation, and I just binged Stranger Things, um, the final season, season four, well, season four. Um, and a lot of people were telling me about that. By the way, if you don't know what Stranger Things is, Stranger Things is basically like this sci-fi TV show of these kids that basically fight aliens, and, and it's set in the 1980s. Um, very good show. But a lot of people were really thrown off by season four because they were saying it was very like spooky, and some people would even go as far to say demonic and satanic. Um, I actually love horror movies. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. And so um, when people were saying it was scary, I was like, okay, well, let me kind of check it out and see what's going on and let me watch it. I was, you know, I said, I want to have some time to sit down and actually pay attention to this. Um, and I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> um, I actually really, really enjoyed it. I enjoy horror movies, good horror movies, because they don't just give you a jump scare. They actually talk about very serious things. They talk about the trauma in our lives and the baggage that we carry through our life that sometimes we don't resolve and how those things haunt us, right, throughout our lives. And so a good horror movie will really try to tell a good story about one's life. Um, and I think about how we have these perceptions about horror movies and um, scary things, and it's because it's very spooky and it's scary and it's unknown, right? And sometimes I think, I think that bleeds into the way that we talk about the Holy Spirit, that are the Holy Ghost, as some people will say, right? That it, it seems like these spooky things can cause us to not to want to talk about this at all or to be very confused sometimes about what the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. I think sometimes we have a hard relationship with the Holy Spirit because of the way even the church has talked about it. That sometimes we said that the Holy Spirit is in some ways inaccessible, right? That is too mystical and it's only reserved for some right? Only if you're holy enough, you can get this spirit. So what, what is the Holy Spirit, right? You can think about it very simply as the active presence of God in the world. When you think about the way that when Jesus left this earth and he promised his disciples, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then he promised them, he said, I will send for you help. I will send for you an advocate, right? And we see this also in Trinitarian theology, whereas God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? That, that these three are in community, and the Holy Spirit is an integral part, really, of building the early church. And we'll get to that in a second when I read our primary text for today. So I began thinking about this theme of the Holy Spirit because a few weeks ago, the Sunday I would have preached last, I think two weeks ago, um, it was actually Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday is that day that we recognize as the birthday of the church. And in Pentecost, the, the word Pentecost comes from the word, Greek word that means 50, right? Everybody say 50. Everybody say 50. There we go. All right. Pentecost comes from the word 50. The word 50 really denotes that it's from the Jewish tradition, that it's 50 days from the Passover, right, from that Passover meal where they recognized that God delivered God's people out of slavery. And so Pentecost is 50 days after that, and they celebrate this thing called Festival of Weeks. The Christian tradition then took that on in some ways, um, and um, the Christian tradition adopted the 50 from Easter. So Easter and Passover tend to be around the same time. And so 50 days from Easter, that's when we celebrate Pentecost. 
By the way, if you didn't know, we get the holiday Whit Monday because Whit Monday or White Monday is when the people would gather who were being baptized. They would wear white and they would be baptized on that Sunday. And we just got the holiday ever since, right, on that Monday. So um, just a little interesting fact for you there. But, but it's very important that both of these traditions really celebrate because it's an acknowledgement of the journey that God continues to deliver, right? That God continues to resurrect, that God continues to do a work even after these high and holy moments. So in the book of Acts, which we'll read in a second, which is basically chronicling the way that the early believers went about the world and shared the good news of Jesus, Pentecost marks the beginning of the church. Pentecost marks the beginning. It is the birthday of, a lot of people say, the birthday of the church. So I want to go ahead and read from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 17, and really talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in building the early church. It reads, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house they were sitting in. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them. A tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not these people, are not all of them speaking, like, are they Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and all the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed them, fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. The bar ain't open, we ain't drunk yet, right? Yet. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. This is the birth of the church, where we really see the people coming alive because of the Holy Spirit. So just for a few moments, I want to focus on a couple of things that the Holy Spirit does for us as believers. First thing is this, the Holy Spirit breathes life. The Holy Spirit breathes life. In Acts, these people, again, come alive, and they are sharing the good news, and not just sharing it, but sharing it in other intelligible languages that other people may understand. And there's no way that these people would know these languages, but somehow the Spirit is doing a work in that room, and they are able to communicate just who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. By the way, the word spirit that we find in the Greek, pneuma, 
is related to that Hebrew word that we have, um, ruach, that means spirit. But it also means breath. It also means wind. And so God was breathing, blowing life into this space. And it also kind of harkens back and recalls what we see in Genesis, where the Spirit of God hovered over the darkness, hovered over the void and the chaos, right? And then God spoke everything into existence. Again, this is the, what the Spirit of God does in our lives if we are, if we are attent- attentive and paying attention to what God is doing. So the Spirit, first of all, breathes life. Secondly, the Holy Spirit speaks to many. The Holy Spirit speaks to many. There were so many different people in that room, right? But they were all able to hear something in their own tongue. They were all able to receive something for them that God had specifically for them in the way that they spoke and communicated. And I think that's so beautiful because it's, it's, that's, we don't just conjure the Holy Spirit for ourselves, right? We don't just do it so that we could get something good out of it, but we do it for the sake of others as well. And it also reminds me that the Spirit leads us to be unified not uniform, right? Unified, not uniform. We can be so different in so many ways, but the Spirit of God can still unite us. And that was actually Jesus' prayer when he was preparing to leave his disciples. He prayed, he said, God, may they be one. He said, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the Holy Spirit breathes life. The Holy Spirit speaks to many. And the Holy Spirit empowers believers. The Holy Spirit empowers believers. I want to read a little bit further into Acts chapter 2 to really see how the early church continued to let the Spirit use them. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at the home and ate food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This was the life of the early church. This is what the Holy Spirit lit them afire to do. And we do the work of ministry not just empowered by our own skill and intellect on our own. It is the Spirit that strengthens us. It is the Spirit that guides us into all truth, right? It is the Spirit that is the advocate for us when we need it. So what does Pentecost and the Holy Spirit got to do with my life, <laughs> right? This is theologian Kristen Emery sent, uh, uh, Saldine. She said this, and I quote, Every year on the day of Pentecost, we are reminded of who we are as a church, what we proclaim, and the source of that proclamation. All right? So the question first really is, am I walking in a spirit-filled life? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to guide me? Now, again, this ain't nothing spooky. 
right? This is saying no conjuring type of thing. This is not an over-spiritual thing. This isn't sitting at your desk and playing Tasha Cobbs or gospel music out loud because you don't like your coworkers and you need to change the atmosphere, right? It's not how that works. Does my life reflect how the Spirit is active in the world? Does my life reflect the way of the Spirit? Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit, a fruit, one fruit, right? We don't get to pick and choose the parts of it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, the many parts of it. Does my life reflect that? So these three questions, again, that mirror what we talked about just now about the way that the Holy Spirit acts in our lives and in the world. We need to ask ourselves, one, am I breathing life? The spaces and places that I find myself in, am I breathing life into these places? You know, it's so easy for us to really draw the negative and to really hyper-focus on everything that's going wrong. And there's so many times where we want to deconstruct everything and take everything apart, and that's important that we take a look critically at things sometimes and we say, well, is this working? Is this not working? What's happening here? But may we not leave things in shambles, right? May we do the hard work of reconstructing something, bringing things back to life. Now, sometimes speaking things to life, like the spirit, is disruptive. Right? The scripture talks about it being a rush of a violent wind, right? And some things, things have to be shaken, and we ought to let them shake. But it's never destructive. The Spirit is always disruptive, but never destructive. And that is a way that we should be living our lives as well, that when we bring life to things, that we're always bringing things together, calling order to chaos, just like God did in the creation story. So am I breathing life? Second question, am I attentive to how God is speaking to and through others, right? Oftentimes, we want to be so right. We want to have perfect understanding. We want to say that they are wrong and there's nothing wrong with me, right? But can't others have something to offer? Could not the Lord be speaking to others who may think differently than we do or live a different life than we do, right? or have a different level of income than we do, right? These, these different barriers that we set up in the world, right? Sometimes we think that if they're only within my parameters of my life, that that is the only way that God speaks. But could it be that God might be trying to show us something by looking at who's or who we have made to be the other, right? We should make room like the people did for these diverse voices coming from all over the place so that we can learn from others, so that we can sit amongst our differences, just like Jesus did, by the way, at the Last Supper. He had zealots at his table who were sitting with people who were going to betray him, right? A lot of his disciples sometimes didn't quite get along, but he still brought them together at the table and he said, come, sit, eat with me, commune with me, experience me. So am I breathing life? Am I attentive to how God is speaking to and through others? And lastly, am I committed to the work of the community of believers? We live um, in a world that increasingly becomes more and more individualistic. And um, I was just listening to a podcast this past weekend. They were talking about how maybe a part of this has become that we see a decline in people gathering together in worship spaces um, or people losing um, their connection with their faith more and more as we see and we've gone through this pandemic that has kind of distanced us from people, right? 
And so the more and more we go throughout this life, it's, it's going to draw us away from people. But I think the call of God draws us in with others, right? Sometimes it can be this thing of what has God done for me lately, right? What can I get out of this experience? What can God do for me? But imagine, if you would for a minute, what the Holy Spirit could do through the gifts of you, of you, of you, of you, of you, of many. The impact, just like we see in the, in the early church where it says in Acts, day by day the Lord was adding to their number. And it wasn't because of one personality. It was because of the corporate. It was because of the community. Like I said, I just came off vacation, and a part of my vacation was going to a silent retreat in North Atlanta. Um, very beautiful place. I think I have some photos here of um, the grounds out there. Just forests and trees and the wild, just for acres and acres and acres. Um, the retreat was a silent retreat. So I was there for four days, but three out of the four days, you had to be completely silent. No talking to anybody for any reason. You ate your meals in silence. You walked around in silence. Um, the only time we really spoke was when we had our worship time together and then when we met with our spiritual director for 30 minutes a day. The rest of the time, zip it, right? But it was such a jarring thing at first because you don't know exactly what you're walking into and how that's going to feel. But day by day, you really start to feel like, no, I really need this in my soul. Like, I really need um, God to do a work in me here in this quiet and in this silence. And I felt like I really needed that because there was a lot spinning for me and there was a lot of anxiety in my heart and my mind. And I just, every day, took that first picture. I just took the trail down to the waterfall, just walked it a couple of times in the silence, soaking in nature. And even though it was close to highways, some ways it was still like you could block it out because you were surrounded by the beauty that God had created. And that silence really, it, it just is something so powerful, I think, is so underrated today. But I really felt like the Spirit was doing a work in me even in such a short period of time. That I felt like God was breathing life into me again. That somehow the ways in which I felt exhausted, that God was filling me up with all that I needed to carry on. But also I realized that we were also breathing out the Spirit of God on that place. On the last day, the priest um, who was there and one of the organizers of the retreat, he said, you know, thank you. He said, thank you to everybody. And all of us are like, thank you. He said, thank you, because whenever you come, a lot of times people say that this is holy ground, and we do believe that. But the way that it is holy is by the people of God coming to pray and to invoke the Holy Spirit into these grounds. And so for every person that steps foot on this ground, when they pray, they bring the presence of God, they invoke the presence of God and continue to keep this a holy and a sacred space. And so in some ways, we don't only just breathe in the Spirit of God, but in a way we breathe out the Spirit of God into the world, breathing life into things that were dead, breathing God into places that maybe it hasn't been before. I also felt like during this time that God was speaking to others because again, it was like 40 or 50 of us all walking around each other, right? walking past each other on the sidewalks, and it was almost like every day. Couldn't say anything to them, just had to head nod, maybe do a fist bump if you knew them, right? You couldn't talk to them. And yet, in some way, I think we all had this sense of God is doing something in your life. Because if I am here, what brought you here? 
And that made us really ponder and think, what could it be that has brought this person here to commune with God, to be in silence and to not speak to people? But yet we still have this shared experience of the Spirit of God working. And, and at the end of the retreat, the priest invited us to share stories because we could actually break the silence at that point. And the priest asked everybody, just take a moment to share a story of maybe, or, or they call it sharing graces, sharing how God's grace showed up in your life this weekend. And I just, sometimes even thinking about it now, like just brings me to tears because I sat in there and I just began to cry. And I, I cried to the point of being shared to move myself, but I, I started to cry because, again, I thought about, well, man, I, I didn't speak a word to you, but look how God is using you to speak to me. Look how God is using you to speak to others by you sharing your story in this moment. And it was just such a holy moment to hear how the ways in which sometimes we think that God is stirring something in our hearts, God is doing the same work in other people as well. And you just never know, but we have to get in community with one another to see it. And that was the beautiful thing about leaving that retreat is that it really felt like everybody was empowered to go back home and to share and to breathe out, breathe life back into where they came from, knowing that they themselves were exhausted, but, but we were filled not just to keep it as a reservoir to ourselves, but that we were to pour it out on the people that we serve in our local context. Friends, the way we live a spirit-filled life is by making room for it. The way that we live a spirit-filled life is by making room for the Holy Spirit to move. The presence of Holy Spirit, by the way, was not a surprise to God's people throughout time. Throughout the Jewish tradition, right, the people knew that the Spirit of God was among them, always active, and promised to continue to do so for generations. That's why they continue to speak about generations, because they knew that the Spirit of God delivered them out of captivity, continued to do so, and will continue for those that were to come after them. That's why they held on so tightly to the prophet Joel, and that's why Peter spoke up. He said, and he quoted directly from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Remember, they didn't have a canonized Bible like we do. They weren't carrying around pocket testaments with them. They heard these words so much that it, that it was stored away in their hearts. And when it was time for those words to come out, they came out. They allowed the Spirit to fill them, to fill their lives, fill their lives with the hope and the wonder of God. And Jesus, when he had his disciples, as I begin to close, promised his disciples that they would have an advocate, that he would send help for them, that they would never be alone but he told them to wait. He said, wait here in Jerusalem for the Spirit. Don't come after me. Wait here for a continued move of God. So I close as I think Pentecost is not just, it wasn't just a day that we celebrated. Every Sunday after Pentecost, the church counted by the second Sunday after Pentecost, the third Sunday after Pentecost, fourth, fifth, after Pentecost. And it's in the season called ordinary time. The everyday time where there's no special high holy moments, but God is still active and moving even in the ordinary. So I wonder for you, how is it that you can wait on God? How is it that you can wait on the Holy Spirit? How can you make room for the Holy Spirit? I want us to practice this for a moment. I want you to Find yourself in a comfortable spot, and if you would just hold your palms up like this as a 
posture of receiving, but also giving. And I want you to hear these lines of prayer. I just want to pray this over you today. I'll read each one three times, three short sets of lines. That we're just inviting the Holy Spirit to come and be with us. Come, Holy Spirit, breathe life into my chaos. Come, Holy Spirit, breathe life into my chaos. Come, Holy Spirit, breathe life into my chaos. Come, Holy Spirit, help me to see God working through others. Come, Holy Spirit, help me to see God working through others. Come, Holy Spirit, help me to see God working through others. Come, Holy Spirit, empower me to do God's will with God's people. Come, Holy Spirit, empower me to do God's will with God's people. Come, Holy Spirit, empower me to do God's will with God's people. Oh God, we are so grateful for your spirit that has promised to never leave us or forsake us, but to be an advocate for us, to be one that champions us as your children, your beloved children who are called by your name to receive this love, to receive the life that you breathe into us, but also to breathe it out into the world. So God, as we prepare to come to your table, we repent of the ways in which we have not brought your spirit to life in this earth. We repent of the ways in which we have failed to be an obedient church, to love and serve the world just as you have served, loved and served us through Jesus Christ. And we ask as we approach this table that nothing would hinder us from coming to this table, that your spirit is available for whosoever may come, and that at this table there is room for many. At this table, your love, your mercy, your grace never runs out. Thank you, Lord, for the advocate. Thank you for the comforter. Thank you for the guide that you have given us in the Holy Spirit. May we be ever attentive to your work in the world and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.